Two. Uh, Mike. Mike. All right. If everybody would grab a red hymnal or look up here. 293. I forget we have uh, media. Two hundred and ninety-three, if you will, go ahead and stand to your feet and we'll get started. If you don't mind. No, two ninety-three is not our first one. Two sixty-five. Two hundred and sixty-five. I'm out of practice, so bear with me. I was sinking deep in sin. The peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me. presence live, ever his praises sing. A love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best song. Faithful loving service to do him belong. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. completely saves He will lift you by His love out of the angry waves He's the master of the sea <coughs> He your Savior wants to be me saved today Love lifted me Love lifted me And nothing else could help Love lifted me me, love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, brother Lord. If you would ask the service to blessings on the service, please. Right, go ahead and have a seat. Just bear with us. You'll be there for long. This song means more to us because we're older. 
there is a place where we won't have problems, we won't have cares, arguments. Uh, Gene and I, Brother Gene and I, one, uh, one day while we were working, we talked about a land of no more. So we started writing down things that we won't have in heaven, will not be in heaven anymore. And I'll never forget it because we spent the whole day writing things down. There ain't no telling how many things that we wouldn't have to put up with anymore in heaven. So uh, this does mean something to the older crowd. Y'all sing it with us. And I guarantee you, y'all understand a little bit better when you get some age on you. Sing it with us. In that beautiful home where we'll never more roam, we shall be in that sweet by and by. Happy praise the King through eternity sing. Tis the land where we never shall die, never grow old, never grow old, is a land where we'll never grow old, never grow old, never grow old, in a land where we'll never is done and the life crown is won and our troubles and trials are old. all our sorrows will end and our voices will blend with the loved ones who Thy grace, the victory. 
faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Amen. 269. 269. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my my soul for it's long I have run since Jesus came into my home. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy over my soul like the sea billows roll. came into my heart I have ceased from my wandering and going astray since Jesus came into my heart and my sins which were many are all washed away since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea bellows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. All right, if everybody would stand up, let's turn over to page eight. Page number eight, one of my favorite for the altos. Sing loud. <clears throat> Yes, I sprung it on you, Brother Chris. It's, uh, I love the Lord deep down in my heart. I love the blessed Savior divine. Well, I put up my stuff. Let's do page eight. Page eight, everybody. Turn in your red hymnals to page eight. I love the blessed Savior divine. He brightens up this path with from his new side, I'll never depart. I'll follow wheresoever he leads. My soul is day he tenderly feeds. I love the Lord deep down in my heart. I love the Lord deep down in my heart. No earthly change can cause it to. I've been made a child with a homeward star. I love the Lord deep down in my heart. That's good singing. Let's do the second. From day to day, he's leading me on to that bright land of beautiful from his new side. I'll never depart. It Learn more what I shall see when I have crossed life's mystical sea. Yes, I love the Lord deep down in my heart. Come on out, those. I love the Lord deep down in my heart. No earthly change can cause it to part. I've been made a child with a homeward start. I love the Lord. Down in my heart. All right, let's turn around and have a little fellowship and we'll finish it up.
the third. Such boundless, precious, glorious love the Savior sent from heaven above, from his dear side. I'll never depart. It fills my soul with wonderful joy and drives away the things that adore. I love the Lord. Sing now. Deep down in Deep down in my heart, no earthly chains can cause it to part. I've been made a child with a homeward star. I love the Lord. Deep down in through the chorus. Brother Warren, can you pray for us? see everybody back tonight uh just real quick uh like i said uh, this morning june 21st we're having the uh, movie night for the youth uh over in the fellowship hall so don't forget that uh it's going to start a quarter to seven uh so please be here uh, uh at least a little before then uh july the 9th we've got homecoming uh, gold city is going to be here so uh please be here for that it's going to be a, a good service uh july the 22nd uh, we're going to have a uh Kind of a back to school bash for the crusaders for christ so uh, we're going to have a lot of fun events out there we're going to uh, promote it try to get some uh, uh some uh, kids around the neighborhood in here and have a good time uh, and remember mckenzie woods baby shower on the july the 23rd um one thing i didn't mention this morning i should have some of you probably already know but i just want to let you know that uh, tim mitchell's father uh passed away friday uh so please be in prayer for for, for Tim and Kathy and that whole family, okay? Uh, right now, I believe uh, Brother Josh, uh, y'all's family is going to sing a special for us. Awesome. Y'all come on up. Appreciate it. Thank y'all.
father has a great big family and there are many children besides me wondering how he divides his time just let me say i never stand in line me like I was his only child. Never felt so loved before. I could never ask for more. He loves me like I was his only child. God really loves me. Yes, he really loves me. Loves me like I was his only child. Never favored me above the rest, but I can't help feeling I am blessed. He treats me best, I often say, but.
Right. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 2. Anytime there, thank you. <laughs> Revelation chapter 2 tonight. See, it's good to be with y'all again tonight and want to be a blessing. Uh, thank y'all for y'all's uh, hospitality this afternoon and this morning. Chapter 2 of Revelation, in verse number 1, let's all stand in honor to the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to be honest with you all, singing in front of people makes me a little bit more nervous than preaching sometimes, <laughs> but I uh, do appreciate the uh, pretty lady next to me. Um, Appreciate my son helping us. I'm not sure he's going to make it, but I, I know my wife is, so I love her. In verse 1 of chapter 2 of Revelation, it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except Thou repent. Father, in Jesus' name, one more time, we come before you. We thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. And I pray this message, Lord, will reach the hearts of who you intend it to reach. I pray you'll give us a listening ear and a, a believing heart. I pray that you'll do a work here tonight and touch us to preach. Lord, we ask you one more time to fill us up and to pour us out to be a blessing to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tonight, if God will be my helper, I want to take that verse where it says, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love and preach on the, the tragedy of second love Christianity. The tragedy of second love Christianity. What Paul was saying was not that they didn't have any love left, but he was saying it's not that first love, it's not that new love, it's not the very best love. Uh, we could say it's really the second best love. Uh, and uh, you ladies might say, well, that's not love at all, if it's second best or if it's second rate. Uh, but God was definitely concerned with this church that they had allowed itself to fall. Uh, and uh, when you look at the background of this church at Ephesus, you see God's great move of grace in Ephesus. Out of that wicked city, God begins to save sinners, and God sent Paul with the gospel. And a church is born in that city of Ephesus, and God blesses it. It begins to grow. Sinners start to come. Sinners start to get saved. Families start to get their uh, homes put together. Missionaries start to go out. The work of God starts to get done. And God sends them a message. God sends them an epistle, an epistle to the church at Ephesus. The themes of the epistle sound great, sounds good. Uh, the first uh, key theme is the riches we have in Christ. So the first part, really the first half... God is talking to them about everything we have in Christ. He doesn't have anything bad to say about uh, Ephesus, except he kept focusing on their love, their work, their, what they have in Christ. 
Uh, how they're, and then he, got, he starts talking about their walk, about loving each other, being filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, treating each other well, uh, submitting themselves one to another, uh, doing what they should in Christ, being what they're supposed to be in Christ. Uh, his key words aren't bad. Grace is mentioned 12 times in five of the six chapters. Riches is mentioned in five times. This sounds like a great letter. The word love is mentioned 14 times across all of the six chapters. He's telling them to walk in love. Love your wives. Men, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Love with faith. Love our Lord. Love, love, love. But now we have a different sort of message. We, ha we don't have a message where he's introducing love and telling them how they should love more, but he's telling them they messed up. He, he says, I know your works. I, I know how good you look on the outside. Now let's just take a time out. This is probably preventative maintenance. Nobody whispered in my ear at lunch. Y'all be mad at Brother Mike, he, uh, Brother Chris. They're responsible for this. This is just preventative maintenance, okay? Uh, but he was concerned because something was missing. He was concerned... That on the surface they looked good, but when he looked at the inner man that we talked about this morning, he was concerned. He was concerned that if they didn't fix it, what was wrong in their hearts? He was concerned that if they just let it slide a little bit more, there was no turning back. That can happen in a marriage. Even the best of marriage. My wife and I have had uh, 19 years of bliss. Never been mad at one another. That's not true. But God has allowed us to be able to work on our marriage. You know, and as great as it started off, there's been times where we've had to work on our love. There's been times through the difficulties of life and at times just through the monotony of life, you, you start to take one another for granted. The, the little things that used to mean so much to you. Uh, you know, sometimes just taking the, the time. I never knew how much it meant uh, to my wife. I'd leave little notes around when we first got married, right? Uh, I'd leave little notes around. Uh, and, and then uh, one time when I was least expecting it, thought I was winning the argument. My wife says, well, you never leave notes around like you used to. Man, that cut me to the core. It was like the Holy Ghost is like, uh-huh, that's right. <laughs> Any of you husbands been there? And it's the little things we can take for granted in our marriage. Ashley's elbowing Brother Chris right now, yeah. He's just trying to keep her happy till that baby comes. <laughs> He's shaking his head, yes, sir. But it's so easy in the day-to-day -day life to forget those first times. Uh... Y'all may not believe this, but I, I was a classic church nerd. I never thought I'd find true love. I, I never thought, and I never thought Amanda would ever say she loved me. Uh, it took me five months to tell her I love her. It took another two months, uh, give or take a few weeks. Uh, she's going to tell me after I get done, you should have been precise. Give her a couple weeks for her to tell me she loved me. But I remember the day she told me she loved me, how good it felt inside. Uh, I took a lap around their house. There, that, for a couple of weeks, there was a body print of me through the wall as I, as I took a running fit. I was just so happy someone loved me. And then our, as our love has grown in marriage, you know, when we had our, our, our first child and uh, just that moment, you parents know that, that just that moment when you hold your first child and you look, look at each other and you love your child and you love each other and it's so special. You would think, you're, I'm never going to take my family for granted. I'm, I'm never going to take my wife for granted. I'm never going to say anything mean to her when I'm short-tempered, when I haven't had enough, uh, 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 when I've worked all day or, or, or whenever I've, I, I'm a little hangry. Anybody get hangry beside me? 
I guess I'm the only one. I got saw someone with two hands. Thank you for your honesty. Two hands up here too. And you think in those special moments that you would never uh, are going to let that love slip and you're never going to have to say, Honey, I'm sorry. I love you and I shouldn't have said that. Will you forgive me? And sometimes you have to work on that love. But if it can happen in a marriage, it can happen in the day to life with a Christian. And just like there's families where... Uh, where homes split up, not because of infidelity, but because that love kept slipping further and further and further and further away. So there's no rectifying it. There's no bringing that, that, that together. Uh, there's a reason they classify that as irreconcilable differences. You can't bring the, the two are so far apart. And if that can happen in a human daily life, how much more can it happen between us in appreciation of our God and, and who we thought we could love forever and never slip up. It can happen. It can happen. Notice, first of all, the, on this tragedy of second love Christianity, notice the reprimand delivered. You ever received a reprimand? A reprimand's a charge or the highlight of your fault or your failure in the performance of your duty. Your husband's smiling, nod. It's going to get better. It usually includes a demand and time frame for correction. I'm not saying you need to pick up your tools. That's in front of the doorway. But if my mama slips and falls on those tools again, you and I are going to have words, right? Or you might be at work. Nobody, I, bet, I have people that work for me. Nobody likes delivering a reprimand. Where you say, this is what you've done wrong. These are the measures you need to correct it. We want to correct it. You can be successful here. I believe in you. But you need to fix this. You need to do this to get this reprimand fixed. Notice the person delivering the reprimand. He says, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. You see, John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day and he turned around and he saw someone walking in the candlesticks. He saw the Lord. Now, I've had some reprimands. Uh, my dad was rather good at it. Kind of that passive-aggressive, you know. Uh, and I don't know if he, he'll be listening or not, but you were, Dad. Uh, I would want him to give me a spanking. I remember one time I was 16, I wrecked his truck. And I begged him, yeah, Lord. I begged him to whoop me. But, but he had a way of making me feel about this small. He, didn't want, he said, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to look at you. I need to be alone for a minute. And I never wanted him to give me a reprimand. And growing up, working, getting out in a job, occasionally you'll get a reprimand. You'll get your boss will say, you, you need to do this better. You need to step this up. But it's a sad day when the Lord, who has it, I would have to say, and we'll be honest, there's more times than not where he makes us feel good. When, we're, when we come in and we're just dragging from life, and he makes us feel good in a church service. He touches our heart. And we didn't even pray. We didn't get our three chapters read, our five chapters, our ten chapters of the Word read. We've been unthankful. And he just stops by and says, I love you. Uh, this is what I've done for you. And you're able to worship. The Holy Ghost stirs in your heart. And you lift your hands up to him like you've done something. But there's times when he just slows down and he starts to deal with us. He starts to reprimand us. He, he starts saying, you're headed down the wrong road. So notice what he said to him. Notice the subject of his reprimand. He says, first of all, he said, thou hast left. He said, after I saved you, after I delivered you from those uh, the, the idols, the cults you were in, the vile things you were participating in, the things that were going to destroy you. Some of you are free because of me. After I've done all this for you, 
you've left. After I've been the very best friend you could ever have, you've let something slip. He, he said, and then he said, not only that this action that they did, you started leaving it, but then he mentions the word fall. They didn't mean to get as far as they did. They didn't mean to become as unthankful as they have. You know, we live in an unthankful hour. We live in an unthankful hour where you can give people everything and you never get a word of thanks. And I don't want to be guilty of that. I don't want to be guilty of that. And sometimes we get busy and maybe that's what started it. But it started with an unthankful heart that they never meant to get as far as they did. And that word fall means to drop from a higher place, to drop from an erect posture, to be degraded, to be degraded, to sink into disrepute or to disgrace, to be plunged into misery, to fall from an elevated station or from a higher state. He said you're not healthy. You're not where you need to be. And you're thinking, well, that, that seems to be a tough message. But you'll notice that he had already given them a message and they didn't change. They, they kept, apparently, the, whenever Paul sent that letter to Ephesus, whether it took 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, here, here John is writing the last words from God through man that's going to be put in the Bible. And he has a word for him. He has a word for this church at Ephesus. He says... You've fallen. You've fallen. You're, you, you've fallen. And so what he tells them to do, he said, you've fallen. But you don't have to stay falling. Sometimes that's how we preach it. We, we, we get frustrated with people. So we'll preach, you've fallen, you messed up. But he's very quickly to point out, you don't have to stay falling. You don't have to stay falling. So what he says, first of all, in verse 5, is what? Remember, therefore... From whence thou art falling. So he said, you're not where you should be. You're not where I intended you to be or want you to be. Or that's in your best interest to be. But you don't have to stay where you are. He, he, he says, look back. He says, remember. He says, think of, consider, pause, meditate. Bear in mind with reverence what I've done for you. Bear in mind with regard. That's kind of an old term, regard. But regard is somebody's elevated in status. That's why we, a lot of times we still end our letters with regards. Best regard. I thank a lot of you to write you this letter. So he's telling them to meditate on. He tells them, first of all, to meditate on what they had left. Paul's, just like I mentioned, pausing on that first love. What about that did y'all like? What about that was, was special? What about that did you like that you would have to define, made you feel special? Ladies, in those letters, it was what? That piece of paper cost less than a cent to print. That ink cost even less. But it was the fact that he loved you so much, that man loved you so much, and just take and say, hey, I'm thinking about you today. I love you today. Just want you to know that. And if that can make you feel in your heart, looking back, and husbands can I didn't realize it made you feel that way. I didn't realize it made you feel valued that way. I didn't realize it made you feel loved that way. How much should we look back at what we used to experience? The thankfulness. The thankfulness. You remember when you first got saved? You'd cry to everything. You were just so excited. Uh, you'd give to everything. Uh, you would go to everything. The 20-year-olds that just got born again, they're going on the senior trip because they think they're supposed to. They're just wanting to be involved with the house of God. With God. They want to be around God's people because the people they used to think were so high and mighty... They're the very best people now. Why? Because of what God did in their hearts. Because of what God did in their life. Thankfulness. Thoughtfulness. That first thoughtfulness. And at first it manifests itself with little things. 
We would do, just do things for our wife. We wouldn't even tell her. My wife's love language is to keep gas in the car. <laughs> keep gas. She'll tell me, oh, you're speaking my love language. I say, well, I have six kids now. I don't want them on the side of the road. I can't tell you how much it bothers me. But it's your love language, so I'm going to go not say anything. Most of, I, I'm talking a big talk now. But, I'm just, but, but if that means that much, we'll go. We knew it meant a lot to them. We'd just go fill up the tank. We'd leave the notes. We'd take them to the restaurants. We would keep our opinions to ourselves about our in-laws. Whatever it took. Why? Because we were trying to be thoughtful for our spouse. We would give. I spent a small fortune in, in, in flowers. I never was around the church when we were dating. <laughs> I spent more weekends driving to Waycross. I could make Waycross in about four hours and 52 minutes. It should take about five and a half hours. But I, but I can make why? Because I wanted to see her. I didn't care what the gas cost. I, I didn't care what the gifts cost. Why? Because I wanted to give because she was the one I loved. You remember what it was like when you first got born again? The first time you got to give and it was a blessing to you. The first time. And it's easy to forget that. I remember years ago when we were uh, go going to Bethany, uh, there was a lady that we took groceries to. Uh, and the preacher asked me to tag along with some of the deacons to help carry it in. And I mean, we went in this house and it was small. It, it, it was one of the small homes that was off Cardinal Street in, in that area. She was struggling. But Brother Jason By started bringing the groceries in, and other, Brother Mitch started bringing, he came in with another load. And Marty, I think you were, helped carry some in. We started carrying it in. And she started crying, started praising, started thanking us. And I started crying. I had to get out of the house. I sat in my car and cried like a baby because it hit me that, that how good God was. Seeing somebody moved by giving, seeing somebody just so thankful, seeing someone moved by thoughtfulness. And, and, and if we can see that in our marriage, or if we can see that in interacting with other Christians, how much more shall we be thoughtful of Christ? So we pause and say, Lord, I just want to thank you. You know when that matters the most is when it's gone wrong. When you're disappointed in yourself. And so, Lord, I, I'm disappointed in me, but you sure have been good to me. I just want to thank you for being good to me. I want to thank you for saving me. I want to thank you for... And you know there's a tendency when you start naming things. When you start... It, it happens in marriage. I start remembering things a man has done for me. Uh, and uh, th things when I was discouraged. Uh, uh, where she gave me a word of encouragement. And just little things. If I can do that in my life, in my marriage life, we can do it in our Christian life. I start thanking God for people that's being a blessing. And God will bring my mind to preachers years ago, just being kind to me uh, and, and taking a word to talk to a young preacher or giving me an opportunity to preach or giving me a special offer when we, when we were in need or when we were out of work, somebody coming by and giving me some money. And God will remind me of that as I start thinking about what it used to be. Our zeal in our service. You remember when you used to got excited showing up? Yeah. Whatever needed to be done. Now some people knocking on doors is their gift. The gift of gab, they love interacting with people, they're energized. Others, getting through that initial phase, is, is, it's tough. But you remember the time you were just excited, I get to participate in this. Remember the first time you ever got to lead someone to the Lord? Oh, you're excited. You're, you're, for Chris, you was ready to go whoop bears with a, with a switch. You was ready to go win every center in Hall County and Lumpkin County. The zeal, the excitement. If, if the Old Testament can talk about how 
Uh, the zeal of the Lord hath eaten me up. He's saying, I'm eat up with what the Lord has. So I'm eat up with his program. I want what he has. And that's what he's wanting us to get back to. That's what he's wanting us to remember. A time, a place in our heart and in our life when he had all of us. When he had all our zeal. When he had all our love. When he had all our attention. When he had all our thoughtfulness. He wanted them to remember not only on what they left, but how they left. He said, from whence thou art fallen. Now this isn't rocket science. But if you fall and you look down and there's a chunk of ice, what are you going to assume you fell because of the ice? But the way some of us Christians act, we're, we're falling, we're struggling, we're, we're hurt. And we keep doing the same thing. We get up and try to dance again on the ice. And we fall again on the ice. Perhaps the difficulties of life. Perhaps they faced some persecutions they didn't expect. Perhaps God made them go through a, child, a trial they didn't expect. Perhaps the monotony of life snuck up on them. Perhaps the temptation of life snuck up on them. They just took for granted where they were at and why they fell. He says, look back, remember. But you know, if you remember, but don't repent, that's not looking at the ice. Yeah, I fell. But if you don't change, that's what repent Repentance means is I'm going this way. I'm going to go the way God said to go. That's repentance. It's a complete change of mind. It's a complete change of direction. It's a complete change of attitude. It's a complete change of, ev uh, of everything. The repentance demanded. You know, in, in the jail a few weeks ago, I preached and four guys raised their hands that they were lost. I preached, gave an invitation. The preacher that was with me gave an invitation. But not one of them would give it over. Not one of them. Because this is how I said, if you want to get saved, I want you to come. For it neither me or Brother Scotty, and I want you to tell us you're lost and that you need to get saved, and we'll lead you through and how to be saved. But you're going to have to do the work. And Brother Marty, you've seen this too. They stayed there. Now, there's been times where they've come forward like that and they've gotten born again. But those four guys stayed. Afterwards, we're talking to one guy. He said, I'm going to get saved. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repent. I remember. I, I remember that guy. I, need, I got it on my mind. I need to get right. But he never changed. Here is God giving. There were other churches, but here is God giving grace. And with all the churches that he could have talked to, he picked seven churches to use. In this first church in Ephesus, all he said was remember, and then he said repent from whence thou art fallen. God's word of instruction. He says, and this is what he says. This isn't a terrible thing to do. He said, don't do something new. Don't go handle snakes. Don't go try to walk on the ridge of the church and try not to fall. Don't go try to fly. Don't try to jump off cliffs. He didn't say that. All he said is when you repent, do the first works. You ever been lost going in circles? And you don't want to admit you're lost? You don't want to admit you're in a mess, especially if your wife's with you and they've been telling you you're lost. Or your kid's with you. Dad, I think we're lost. But what, where, what do you have to do? You have to go find that common. Maybe if you're in the woods hunting, you got turned the wrong way. Okay, I need to get back to the path that brought me in. If I can get back to the path that brought me in, I'll know where I'm at. I can get my bearings and get to where I need to be. What does he say? Do the first works. 
Maybe you should start reading the Bible like you once did. You say, but I just don't have that zeal. Well, read it without the zeal. Start reading your word and saying, Lord, I know I'm not experiencing what I once experienced. But I'm doing this obedience. Let me get back, Father. And you start reading. You start taking it in. You start, it's tough, but you start looking at that mirror of the word of God. Oh, that looks rough. But you keep spending daily time in the Bible. You start praying. And no, the Lord doesn't manifest himself just as quick in those early days like he used to, Brother Ron. But you keep praying. You keep saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm sorry for where I'm at now. Lord, will you help me? Lord, will you help me get back? Lord, you sure been good to me. And then you start engaging the lost. You start witnessing. And it's uncomfortable. It's not like it. It's not like when you first start doing it because now you're ashamed. Now you're thinking, I should have been doing this all along. And you're ashamed of that, but you keep doing it. Why? Because it's the first works. You start bearing one another's burdens. You start saying, Lord, I hadn't loved my brethren. I got to where I was saved so long. I was okay with imperfection in my own heart. But I started pointing out imperfections in others. Lord, will you help me with that? And you start loving one another. And you start bearing one another's burdens. And you start saying, well, that person's flaws more like a burden to me. Maybe that's why they acted like that. Maybe that's why they hurt like that. Maybe that's why this. And you start seeing them from a different perspective because you stop looking at the perspective of a clouded vision of a Christian uh, that's, uh, that's experiencing the tragedy of second love Christianity. And you start seeing it through the lens of how the Lord views them. And you start getting back. God wouldn't have put that. For the Marty, God wouldn't have put that. God doesn't waste time. He does a lot of things I don't understand. But one thing he does, Brother Mike, is not waste time. Everything in that book is there for a purpose. And he gives them the hope. You can repent. You can experience the first works. You can experience the joy of seeing someone born again. You can experience the love of your brethren and hug each other's neck and and worship with them and and praise the Lord Jesus Christ because he sure deserves it. But what you'll read about with Ephesus is this. Is that Ephesus faded away. You look back at history. If you go to Ephesus, all you see is ruins. All you see is ruins. There's no evidence left. Just a few maybe buildings, a few inscriptions that we even know it's there. And you think of great churches and you, you think of great movements and you, and you think of great people that at one time you met them and they have the love of God and they, uh, God was using them in a great and mighty way. And then Brother Chris, you see them again and you're like, what happened? You ever been disappointed? I, I've gone to meetings wanting a blessing and I've left scratching my head thinking, what happened? That same preacher that had God's anointing that us young preachers just dream of preaching like, being like, now is just spewing out bitterness and is broken and, uh, and is hurting that God's sheep. Like, what happened? Yeah. Or you, you see God's people and they used to make you feel so welcome and they, they were so good and uh, every church wanted to be like that church. And now, ruins. Why? Because they didn't turn back. Remember, I, I shared this morning that w- when God takes us through difficulties, there's an option. When, when God brings us through trials, there's, and, and we're broken, we're hurt, God wants us to come to Him with brokenness. 
But a lot of times there's a tendency for Christians to, to go away from it. And that's the same, and that's not just in the realm of God's trials, God's fiery furnaces, but also in the day-to-day life. There's a tendency. There's a tendency just like in a family where all of a sudden, what happened? It's like a, it's like a, you see a boulder and it's going down an angle. Then all of a sudden, steeper angle, it just starts going to the bottom. That's what happens with families. That's what happens with churches. That's what happens with Christian lives if we're not careful. Brother Josh, you used the word tragedy. Why'd you use that? Not just for a catchy title. I'm not good at catchy titles. But the word tragedy in literature... It's a play dealing with tragic events. It's a story that starts with a happy beginning. But it ends with an unhappy ending. It usually involves the downfall of a main character. An event that causes suffering and destruction. Ephesus was the illustration of this tragedy. It never recovered. It never recovered. Let's not be a tragedy tonight. Again, as I said, this is preventive maintenance. I don't know the, the situation any of y'all are in individually. I don't know the spiritual temperature that this, this church is in. But you know where your heart is. Hopefully you're in that first love Face, or you're back in it. Hopefully you've turned back, but surely, is my name what it is? There's somebody that started a slip. We don't have to continue for the Chris and his tragic downward path. I, I found out with our 12 passenger van that if it, you start to get stuck, it has a tendency to accelerate. Not forward, <laughs> like a vehicle supposed to go. I'm talking about the level of stuckness. I'm sure there's a more classified term being stuck in mud for you four-wheeling guys. But why do you have a tendency? I'm going to gun it. I'm going to get out and dig it. And all you do is dig another foot for it to go further down. To where the mud is so much around the axles and so much, you have to get... Uh, around the vehicle, you have to get someone to pull you out. But God says, He gives the power to turn back to Him. I would start tonight as the musicians come. If y'all get a song. You say, Brother Josh, I hadn't, I'm still in that first love. I hadn't got to that point yet. Well, great. Well, I would come to the altar and say, Lord, you know my heart. Lord, you know the part of me that has a tendency to fall, and I want to maintain that. Husbands, I've learned the hard way. It's a lot easier to maintain, to be kind, than to have to say, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that, why I did that. Will you forgive me? And as they begin to play, why don't we just come to these altars and just make sure everything's right with Him? Maybe there is someone that will be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, I have fallen. Help me get back to that first love. I sure enjoyed it. It didn't take much to get me happy in the Lord. I remember the first time I got right with the Lord, I was playing the invitation for our youth group at Harvest. And it got so thick, I had, I fell down and had to, I got right, Lord, right then. And then when I got up, a little girl come to our youth pastor and said, Brother Mark, thank you for helping me get saved. Brother, something kicked over inside of me. I got happy. It didn't take much back then. But there's been times the best preacher in the world can preach. The best singers in the world can, can sing. to stay that way I don't have to stay that way I can come to him 
So would you come tonight and just do business with him? Let's all stand. As I said, I don't know the hearts. Let's just come to this altar and ask the Lord to do for us what we need and to give us that first love, Christianity.